It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Rich, it's nice to have you back in the studio again today. Uh, things are moving pretty fast, aren't they? I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. You know, I was at the eye doctor this week having my eyes checked to see if I need new glasses or maybe I'm getting cataracts. How do I know? I just know that I don't see as well as my wife <laughs> and she could read things that I can't read. So I'm thinking, how come I can't read it? So anyway, that's where I was. But I had to take out my billfold because they wanted so many numbers. Do you have this card? Do you have that card? We need your number for this, your number for that. And it crossed my mind. Do they think I'm just a number? And then if I lost my billfold with all those little cards in it, well, then no one would know anything. Mm. But those are really nice people. Yeah. But you know what? We're not just a number, folks. We're individual people for whom Christ died, that God created. We are individual people that have individual and collective need of his love and forgiveness. And that reminded me of a song. Listen to it now. I've got a number on my house, a number on my phone. My mailbox has my street number on. My social security ends in three, four. The stock market's higher than it's been before. You're not just a number, you're a name. You're one of the reasons why Jesus came. He named every star, he knows who you are. You're not just a number, you're a name. How much money do I make? I don't like the sound. The back of my car, there's a tag number found. At the grocery store, they scan a barcode. But when my name is called, to heaven I'll go. You're not just a number, you're a name You're one of the reasons why Jesus came He named every star, He knows who you are You're not just a number, you're a name You're not just a number, you're a name You're one of the reasons why Jesus came He named every star, He knows who you are You're not just a number you're a name. No, you're not just a number. You're a name. <laughs> I'll tell you what, folks, now, just stop and think about that for a moment. You are an individual person for which Christ died, and you're not a number. And really, yeah. even your name was given to you by your parents when you were born, but you are you. And that's what really that's we need our, to think about. Yeah, that's our friend Carol Robertson, and I love that. He named every star, and he knows who you well, are. you know, that's a new uh, um, CD that Carol Robertson produced. At least he sent it to me, a, a copy. And I'm going to use some of that, some of those wonderful songs. People like him, and so do I. You can't really categorize his music, can you? It's just wonderful, good Christian music, good gospel music. Anyway, Carol Robertson. Folks, now listen, we are in trying times. Things are moving so fast. You can't even use your cell phone anymore because they tell us that people are peeking in on it 
and the tracking everything, it's getting bad. How can that be? America was founded by people who wanted to be free and have individual responsibility along with individual freedom. The two go hand in hand. But over time, it's not working out that way so well, is it? Now, Paul Harvey recorded just a short little statement here about that, how we, how we manage to go from freedom back into chains where everybody's wearing a mask. <laughs> Reminds me of the Lone Ranger. <laughs> everybody's wearing a mask. Everybody has to do what the government says, and you don't step out on the sidewalk or go into a grocery store. Certainly, you can't go to church because the government doesn't want you to. So this is what Paul Harvey said. Just a few seasons ago, politicians baiting their hooks with free barbecue and trading a Ponzi promise for votes began telling us, we don't want opportunity, they said. We want security. They said it so often we came to believe them. We wanted security. And they gave us chains, and we were secure. You know, Rich, one thing is fear. Uh, what does it do to people? I mean, caution is a good thing. Caution is something that people should exercise. Uh, don't be foolhardy. But fear goes way beyond that. And when you put people in fear in a community or a nation, it traumatizes them. And then everything stands still. Everything, everything stands still. It's not good, is it? No, no. You either freeze or you run or you panic. Yeah. Uh, either way, it's an irrational response. But you need to keep your eyes on the truth. Well, if you want to control people, scare them to death. And then they'll freeze. And the and truth will are. make you free. Now, as Christians, as the Bot Radio Network family, and I, lo I love that phrase, but anyone in the wide world that knows the Lord as their Savior, uh, this is the answer to everything. Here it is. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills when I lift up mine eyes I know my God is real The God that I serve He is the most high When I'm in the valley I will lift up mine eyes God made the mountains To remind me each day His love surrounds me he hears when I pray God never sleeps His eyes always see I know my God watches me I will lift up mine eyes Unto the hills When I lift up mine eyes I know my God is real The God that I serve, He is the Most High. When I am in the valley, I will lift up mine eyes. I know that my help comes from the Lord. He's been there for me many times before. He is my refuge in the midst of the sea. I know that his hand covers me I will lift up mine eyes Unto the hills 
When I lift up mine eyes I know my God is real The God that I serve He is the most high When I am in the valley I will lift up mine eyes I will lift up mine eyes Unto the hills When I lift up mine eyes I know my God is real The God that I serve He is the most high I am in the valley I will lift up mine eyes But I am in the valley I will lift up mine eyes Isn't that, isn't that something, Rich? But regardless of the struggle, regardless of the difficulty, regardless of the sorrow, we have a hope, and you lift up your eyes. Um... Now, we have a pastor who's one of the Bot Radio Network Bible teachers on the radio, Alan Jackson. Tell us about him, and we're going to hear a message that I know is going to be a blessing to our people. Tell right. Him. Well, well, Alan Jackson pastors the World Outreach Church, a congregation of over 15,000 in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the middle of Tennessee. And he's one of the freshest, newest voices on Bot Radio Network. When I heard this message, I, I thought, oh, I'd love to be able to share this with our Complete Story listeners. Yeah. And I'm glad we're able to do that today. Here's Pastor Alan Jackson, and it's about how we should expect persecution. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's hear it now. Now, I'm very conscious. I read a lot of the literature of the church and try to stay aware of what's happening in the broader church world. We have lots of words to excuse our silence. We talk about being covert operatives. We're bridge builders. We have a greater opportunity for good if we're not disruptive. So we turn down the volume on Jesus and we don't talk so much about what we believe. Because after all, we're trying to win hearts and minds with what? Deception? It feels awkward to me. There's a blind man in this narrative without resources, without support from a broader group, and he manages to stir Jerusalem to its core to consider Jesus in a new way because he has the courage to tell his God story. The pressure wasn't just on his parents. The pressure was greater on him. Just say what you're supposed to say. Stop with that narrative already. The parents' priorities are greatly misplaced. Their son, who was formerly blind, can see. Gratitude would be a better response. We have to guard our hearts. Whose approval do you want? How happy are you to be invited into some circle? To be included for yourself or someone you care about so that you'll be silenced. What we're walking through these days is not new. Folks, the cancel culture is not a new thing. It's as old as human civilization. John chapter 12, different context, different story. Verse 37, John 12. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still wouldn't believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, even many among the leaders believed in him, in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. It's a little blind. We're removed by a couple thousand years and the culture is not immediately apparent to us. But the power brokers in Jerusalem were the most powerful and the wealthiest people in the nation. I wish I could pick you up and take you to Jerusalem this evening. We could walk through a 5,000 square foot house complete with beautiful tile floors and multiple bathrooms. A lavish home on the side of the hill overlooking the Temple Mount. And the scholars agree, the Jewish scholars agree, that it was most likely a home of one of the, the religious leaders. Prime real estate, beautiful house. So when it says they're not willing to, to believe, that they're not willing to acknowledge in spite of the miracles, that they love the praise of men, it's not just affirmation, they like the life they're leading. And they're not about to use their voice to put that at risk. They understand there's a consequence because the people who are standing in opposition to Jesus tell them blatantly, boldly, repeatedly, if you are affirming of him, you'll forfeit your place. Sound familiar? We're not the first generation to face this. It intrigues me. Verse 41 says, Isaiah said this. Said what? Said, Lord, who's believed our message and whom is the arm of the Lord to whom has been revealed? Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory. If you don't know the timeline from the whiteboard Bible, you could miss this. You read that, you think Isaiah lived next door to Mary and Joseph. Isaiah lived 500 years before Jesus. Isaiah had a revelation of Jesus hundreds of years before his birth. And he believed in Jesus. And now there's a problem in Jerusalem because even after all the miracles Jesus has done, the people who have seen them will not believe. We have a little idiom, a little expression where you seeing is believing. No, it's not. You can see and not choose to believe. They saw the miracles and chose not to believe. Belief begins with a decision. You decide to be a believer. You decide to yield to the authority of scripture. You decide to yield to the, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you're stubborn and skeptical and rebellious and an unbeliever, you can't see enough evidence to cause you to convert. You have to choose to believe. It takes courage and strength to believe in God. We're not the first generation to be threatened if we stand up for Jesus. This is not the first time the world has seen this. It's an old song. I mean, it's wrapped up in some new delivery systems. We've got some new forms of technology and some new forms of communication. But the threat's not new. The question is, who are we going to be? The power of one. What you choose to believe makes a difference. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. There's that line again. John just keeps pushing it back at us. Now, Joseph is a wealthy man. Not anybody could just walk into the governor's office and ask for the, the body of somebody. He's an influential man. He's a powerful man. He's a believer in Jesus, but he's been bullied into silence. He's a secret believer. And now Jesus is dead. And in his brokenness, it's as if Joseph says, you know, I just don't care anymore. Pilate, can I have his body? With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. 
the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Some of you may, and some of you may not remember, in John chapter 3, a man comes to see Jesus under the cover of darkness. His name was Nicodemus, and John tells us that he was a, a, a leader amongst the Jews. And he said, Rabbi, I know nobody could do the miracles you do unless he came from God. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, how is it that a ruler of my people doesn't understand that you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again? How can it be? And Nicodemus steps back into the shadows after that little interaction. We haven't heard from him until we get to John chapter 19 and Jesus has died on a cross. You have to have the imagination that the horrors that Jesus has gone through perhaps brought out some of these secret people. Don't you know there's a brokenness in them? Joseph goes to Pilate and says, I want his body. I don't care what people say. I don't care who knows. And Nicodemus comes. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrhs and aloes, about 75 pounds, expensive. We're told that uh, in, in Bethany, back in John 12, a woman poured perfume on Jesus' feet and she was criticized for it. He said, we could have eaten with months of the cost of that perfume. What do you think 75 pounds of that would be worth? Nicodemus doesn't matter, care what it cost. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it. I think it's safe to say that Joseph and Nicodemus didn't prepare a lot of bodies for burial. This is personal to them. They wrapped it and with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. When I read that, I can't help but think that their hearts were heavy because of the opportunities lost. The times they didn't say, I know him. I'm for him. I think he's okay. I'm on his side. And now that day is past as far as they know. And the only way they can express their devotion is treating his dead body with dignity and respect. Not allow it to be thrown into a pauper's grave. Folks, we don't want to be in that place. We want to be advocates for him. The very next chapter, John 20, this time it's the disciples. This is on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked. Here's our phrase again, for fear of the Jews. This is John 20. We followed this phrase all the way through John's gospel. The disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You think? The Bible has this crazy gift for understatement. You know, the blind man in John 9, he came home seeing. And the disciples, after they're hiding, because they think they're next, and they're going to a Roman cross, because their best friend, the most powerful man they ever knew, got executed by the Romans, and they watched him suffocate on a cross. And now they're in lockdown because... They know they're next. And Jesus steps into the room and John said, and they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. <laughs> I don't know what words you use for like out of their mind, ecstatic, beyond reason. But on Sunday, they have a private faith for fear of the Jews. It seems to me that contemporary Christians have a lot of private faith. In fact, our political leaders talk to us about freedom of worship, that they will allow us freedom of worship, that we can gather in our buildings and do whatever we want to, as long as we do it in our buildings. Just to be clear, what the Constitution affords us is freedom of religion. Very different thing. 
And we've had our little polite Sunday morning faith for too long. I want to close with this, and this is true. I'm really in now. I think it's important to acknowledge that as in our overcoming, even heroes wrestled with fear. So that it's not a weakness in you or an inadequacy in you. When you, when you pause to say, you know, okay, do I have the courage to do this? Or I'm tired of standing. It's not a failure of your character. It's a part of the human condition. Don't give in to it. Don't yield to it. But understand, even those who make heroic responses still wrestle with fear. I gave you, it's 1 Kings 19. I'll just summarize. It's Elijah. Immediately preceding this, he's called fire from heaven on command. Not like sometime in the next 90 days, let there be a lightning storm. He called it on command. And he's challenged the whole nation to repent of their idolatry. And he's executed personally hundreds of idolatrous prophets of Baal. Tremendous victory. Tremendous courage. But then the message comes to him that Jezebel says, by this time tomorrow, I'll have your head. And look what it says. He was afraid and arose and ran for his life until he came to Beersheba. You you, you probably wouldn't know the geography. That confrontation took place on the Mount Carmel. If you go to a modern day map of Israel, find the port city of Haifa. It's on the northern part of Israel. Mount Carmel is right there next to the port city of Haifa. And then you can find Beersheba on a modern day map. He ran from Mount Carmel to Beersheba. He went a long way into the desert. And he didn't stop there. He kept running. He is struggling. And just, just look at the last verse there. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. God sent angels to help him. Said, I know you've stood in a hard place and I know you've done heavy lifting and I know what you've accomplished is beyond your physical strength. Folks, I'm not asking you to stand up just in your strength. I'm not asking you just to marshal your courage or to summon your fortitude. I'm asking you to be more aware that we are children of the King and the power of one when you choose to cooperate with the Spirit of God has a significance beyond anything we know how to estimate. We're not just church attenders or quiet people. We're not being trained to be polite or tame. We're here on an assignment. And the future of the place where we live is not really clear at the moment. I don't think the outcome has been decided. And I think there's a great deal still in play. And I think outcomes have an enormous part to do with the heart of the church. Not to be angry, not to be violent, not to be accusing of others. To humble ourselves before the Lord and say, forgive me. I've wanted to be accepted. I've wanted to fit in. I haven't really wanted to be ostracized because of my faith. So I haven't said much. I've been kind of quiet, but it's a new day. If you read the disciples in the book, the gospels, they look like Keystone cops or the three stooges or something. You wouldn't have bet the future of our faith upon that. But after the day of Pentecost, they're a different group of characters altogether. And we can tell our story in the same way, you know, prior to that, we were one thing, but God changed us. We'll sit outside and have church. Let it rain. It's okay. We'll go where we need to do. We're going to be together. I brought you a prayer. Really what I brought you is the doxology to the book of Jude. It's the conclusion of the book of Jude. But the language is so beautiful. I wanted you to have it. It's worth repeating. It's worth memorizing, honestly. Let's stand together and say these words together as our conclusion. To him who is able to keep us from falling 
and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Wow. Uh, Rich, that was a challenge to the church. That's Alan Jackson. Of Alan Jackson Ministries. That's right. And um, what time is he on? He's on at 6.30 p.m. on most of our BOT Radio Network stations. Uh, a different time on some of the stations, you could go to the website, botradionetwork.com, and find the time where he's on in your city. See, that is a challenge to the church. Yeah, my goodness. Isn't that a great message? Um, it's about how we should live as what? Christians yeah. in days like this. But listen now, it's a challenge to the church to be the church. Right. That was great. All of us. All right. Well, listen, do we have any listener comments? We sure do. Uh, and this one relates to this broadcast. I was so happy to hear that the Olive Branch have been extended to Alan Jackson. And I'm so grateful. Uh, it's just like the Bible bus. Uh, he, the Bible bus welcomes new passengers. He has been welcoming the family of Bot Radio. So I'm so happy to hear that he is uh, coming to um, Bot Radio Station. Have a great day. Goodbye. Is he? Um, what is? It? Is this our fiftieth year? Uh, when we started Bot Radio, fifty ninth year. Oh, almost 50. sixty. All right, all right. You see, <laughs> no wonder I'm an old man. That's right. Uh, Creeps up but on you. To have quality Bible teaching and Christian news and information. Yes. That's what we do. Mm. All right, let's have another. Here's one. Leslie from Longview. This is Leslie calling from Longview, Texas, and I've been listening for several years now, and I just want to say God bless you for your ministry. It has strengthened my faith in many, many ways. I listen every day on, when I'm in the car on the way to work. I listen on the way home. I, I love all the preachers. It's hard to pick a favorite one. I love all the Bible teaching and preaching that you have on your station. Thank you so much, and God bless you for your ministry. Yeah, I think we're out of time right now. And what we thank her down in Texas, don't yes. we? I was I was reading our transcripts, and listener up in Indiana brought up some wonderful points, but we don't have time Maybe to. Maybe we can share there. that one next time. All right, this is Dick Bot with this chapter of the complete story with my son Rich, and I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> 